This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Over the past months, it's safe to say the Matildas have not just brought the country together with their rather incredible performance, they've also raised big questions about the way women's sport is funded in Australia. So in this Squeeze Shortcut, we're going to look at why women aren't getting a bigger slice of the pie, which codes are doing better than others, and if the Matildas might have changed things forever. Squeeze Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. Claire, before a ball had even been kicked in the World Cup, I actually completely forgot about this. But remember the Matildas put out that video highlighting just how long and hard they'd fought for proper recognition in their sport, including the problems they still face, like the fact that a lot of women in our National League still hold down part-time jobs. Yeah, that's right. There was that video, wasn't there? I completely forgot about it, honestly. Yeah. It seems like we've covered a lot of territory since then. And that video did open some eyes about the state of sports funding in this country. Here's a team that broke record after record on the pitch. They smashed TV ratings, more than 18 million eyeballs across the tournament Mm. tuned in to the Women's World Cup. Uh, And yet just a decade ago, they were still doing their own laundry and now women's domestic comp, which is the breeding ground for future Matildas players, it's still struggling for recognition. The players are still struggling for pay uh, and also a TV broadcaster. We'll talk more about TV broadcast in a minute. And we have covered it quite a bit in Saturday Squiz. It's a hot topic when it comes to funding sports. But let's just lean into the Matildas a bit more. They were dogged in using their platform to keep pressing our politicians to do more. Last week, the Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, announced $200 million to invest across women's sports, but not just football. Yeah, and that's going to improve sporting facilities and equipment for girls and women. And it'll work like a grant scheme where local clubs and organisations bid for funding to specifically invest in female participation. And that was warmly welcomed by many female athletes. Some also pointed out that it's still a tiny piece of the pie when it comes to the total funding of sports in Australia. Let's talk some numbers, Claire. To blow your mind with this figure, uh, just last year, the AFL sold TV rights to Foxtel and Seven for $4.5 billion. It's a seven-year deal. Mm. It goes from 2025 to 2031. I think, as I said, we've talked about this. The real money is in TV deals. We know Optus got the rights to the Women's World Cup for around $60 million. They then on-sold 15 of the games to Channel 7 to broadcast free-to-air. It paid around 4 to $5 million to broadcast those games, kind of the steal of the century. It's actually very, very cheap for what they got out of it. And some might argue very, very low when you look at what broadcasters are paying the AFL. Yeah, so four to five million bucks for the ratings hit of the last Mm. couple of decades. And I reckon all women would actually be having a bit of a smug chuckle that the only thing that we're comparing it to in terms of eyeballs is Kathy Freeman's win back in the 2000 Olympics. Especially those women who have worked in sport and around sport for a really long time and have been saying that it's valuable and that people want to watch it. Mm. Some of the sceptics are saying this World Cup was a one-off in terms of eyeballs, that there's just not the interest for women comps and therefore female players can't expect the same funding, pay, prize money, just can't expect the same. Yeah, and of course, 
tell that to 90,000 fans who turned up to watch Barcelona versus Real Madrid play in a women's match last year or the Mm. 40,000 who turn up each week to watch Sam Kerr's Chelsea play in the English Super League. A lot of that interest is fuelled by a proper professional broadcast, Uh, good time slots, good grounds and a big investment in the women's game. Uh, It's something that we haven't really seen in Australia, whether it's for the AFLW, whether it's for women's rugby league or clearly women's soccer. Yeah, or whatever other game it might be. It's really good to get that context of what's happening overseas because it's been a a conversation very focused here on Australia. But I guess that's obviously where we are and what we're interested in talking about because you can kind of see it and believe it. Let's look now at how different sports are faring when it comes to equality for women. Claire, so the Wallaroos, they're our women's rugby union side, they came out this week with a pretty, I guess, rather brutal takedown of Rugby Australia over their pay and conditions. They said that Rugby Australia treats the wives and girlfriends of the men's side better than them. That is brutal. And look, it, it tells you how far we've got to go with so many sports. So the Wallaroos aren't even on full-time contracts and one of their stars is Georgie Friedrichs. She pointed out that their coach isn't full-time mm. and you compare that to the men's team, which has at least six full-time coaches and stuff like They fly economy when the men's team flies business. It just has clearly really got under their skin. And this is where the whole chicken and egg discussion lands, I guess. The cynics say, but you're not as good as the men, so we can't sell your rights, we can't pay you as much. But then on the other side, chicken, egg, how can they be as good if there's no full-time coach and they aren't paid to make this a full-time job? Yeah, exactly. That is the argument. And look, Rugby Australia is locked in talks with the players right now. So there's a bit of positioning happening. Mm. Uh, And you can bet that the Matilda spotlight on this issue has really helped teams like the Wallaroos get some attention where it might not otherwise have actually cut through and got some traction with those complaints. I was listening to Tracy Holmes's The Ticket podcast this week, Claire, and she said that she's seen a real galvanisation of women's sport, everyone kind of working together for a common outcome. Um, And I think that's kind of what we're seeing here, that sort of all boats rides with the tide when it comes to funding in women's sport. For example, the AFL announced this week it would be giving the women's comp equal prize money of $1.1 million for the first time. Yeah, and look, that is terrific. But the Players Association has pointed out it really is, again, just one piece of the puzzle. So you think about where the big bucks are in players' salaries. So out of a total pool in the AFL, 92% goes to the blokes and just 8% to the women. Uh, Tier 1 players with the women's earn about $70,000 and there's literally dozens of men in the comp earning more than 10 times that amount. So there's a lot of work to do. We've got to mention the Olympics as well, Claire. A lot of Olympic sports are actually pretty even in terms of participation and funding in Australia. Women have had equal prize money for medals for a long time as well. You get a 20k bonus for a gold medal and a 10k for a bronze. Yeah, and the story in the Olympic sports is not so much about the divide between genders as the divide between sports. And Mm. you always hear a lot about the smaller sports fighting for a bigger slice of the pie compared to, say, swimming or you hear the Australian Olympic Committee, as it did earlier this year, calling for the government to invest more money in all those sports if we're to be competitive in our home Olympics in 2032. 
we won't get into whether we should be having an Olympics or not. I mean, that whole debate has raged <laughs> this week with the withdrawal of the Victorian government from the Commonwealth Games. We've had that conversation about whether these events are actually viable. That's not what we're talking about here, though. The picture here is there's still a lot of inequality across sport. You've got to be hopeful that the Matildas have really created a moment here. There's been a lot of talk about that, that it's time for everyone, the codes, the broadcasters, the fans, the male players to all be part of a change. And Kate, we haven't even got to your favourite sport of netball, which has a whole other set of problems, but very similarly aligned around broadcast rights and around paying players. And it clearly is a massive moment. There were massive moments in the past, though, too, just looking at yeah. women's tennis, for example. So Grand Slam champ Billie Jean King, she threatened to boycott the US Open if women didn't get equal prize money, and she did it. And that was 50 years ago, and it mm. took until 2000 for Wimbledon to catch up. But it does show that you can get big step change in moments like these. And you do kind of get the feeling now that women athletes aren't going to stop until all sports level the playing field. There is so much more we could talk about, Claire. It's a topic that you and I have really, really sunk our teeth into a lot. Hopefully this gives you a good lay of the land as to where things are up to. On to our recommendations. Each week we give you a recommendation for some further reading, listening or watching. There was a really great article uh, in The Age a month or so ago on all the reasons the AFLW is struggling with TV ratings. It goes through um, a lot of the things that are really stacked against women at the moment when it comes to women's sport. Yeah, it's good to consider these things. Of course, a lot of sports have very particular issues and the AFLW isn't immune from that. And Mm. look, if like me, you're not quite ready to let go of the Matildas high, uh, I've got a compilation reel of every goal that they scored at the World Cup. (laughs) I love this. A giant shot of adrenaline. It's a really good one. (laughs) That's a really happy note to finish on, wasn't it? An amazing tournament. Thanks for listening in to this episode of Squeeze Shortcuts. If you like what you heard, please tell people about the podcast. Leave us a review as well. And if you have a request for a shortcut, you can always send them through to hello at thesqueeze.com.au. We'll be back next week. Kate Watson, co-host of News Club and The Weekly Wrap, jumping in here to say thank you for listening to our podcasts first and foremost. And if you like them, we'd really appreciate it if you could share them. Tell your mates about us. Tell your family. Tell your barista. Tell your hairdresser. Whoever you think might be interested in the news that we cover. You telling people about us is still the number one way we grow. Thanks in advance.